Welcome to Let's Get to Work, a podcast with stories of hope and inspiration for people experiencing blindness and vision loss, as well as those wanting to support us. Brought to you by the Employment Committee of the American Council of the Blind, a place where we talk about all things employment, finding jobs, holding jobs, building careers, and challenging stigmas. Each month will consist of two visually impaired people who have chosen to travel down unique career paths. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's get to work. So Tana, thank you so much for joining us and thank you for joining our Get to Work podcast. We, it is a pleasure for us to have you be with us today. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for the invite. You are more than welcome. Uh, I was really excited uh, about you coming and very excited when I read your bio as well. Your bio was just incredible. but. Um, it you one of the things you said was that you were that you were interested in medical subscriptions, and so could you tell me a little bit about that? How did you do that? How did you get interested in that? So, um, really quick for anybody who hasn't heard my bio, hi, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Sadana Howery, and I run my mouth for a living. I'm a voice actor, so I get to talk all day long, and people pay me to do it. So, generally, what that means is that I get a script. And I read what's in that script. So I'm generally not improvising and making it up. I'm reading what somebody else has provided to me. Um, So in my bio, I talk about the fact that I love medical and scientific and technical narration. So I could read that kind of stuff all day long. It's my favorite stuff to do. Um, So I've done everything from... um, I have a, a clip here with an example of me talking about the Zika virus. Um, And of course, when the pandemic came up, there was all sorts of stuff to talk about around that to um, training for EMTs in Los Angeles uh, for working with um, cardio events. So like they come upon somebody who's had a heart attack and what do they do? And uh, and and it's different if if the person is just a newborn versus if the person is an adult. And it's different if say there's been an emergent event like a car accident versus somebody just has had a heart attack in their home. Mm. Uh, so you learn like all sorts of, you know, first responder kind of what would they do? Um, so I, I think for me, the medical technical scientific is just fun because it meets my need to learn all sorts of wild new things that I would never consider in worlds that I'm not in. Interesting. Yeah. You you were born totally blind um, and so grew up as a child with blindness. Yes. How did you become interested in the acting uh, and the voiceover field? I mean, it's just fascinating. I grew up as a musician. So my parents came home with a baby grand piano when I was two. And the story goes that I started kind of plunking on it with my thumbs. And then at some point I figured out I could use all my fingers and then I would come home from nursery school and start picking out tunes. Um, I have perfect pitch. And so I, I just grew up as a musician. And that was playing piano, but also writing songs. Um, my parents built a studio for me. At first, it was, well, they almost got divorced over, <laughs> over getting an organ. <laughs> and, um, and then, 
uh, it was, and then it was in the living room and we added a drum machine and a synthesizer and then it became like a separate building. And so, yeah, so, so I, I did music in the sense of, of playing it and writing it, but also like arranging it and, and learning how to be behind the board and engineering in my childhood as well. So when I grew up and decided to go into voiceover, all of those skills really informed uh, my ability to effectively move into that arena. And I had a friend who uh, came to me one day and said, look, I took this class and I'm, I'm going to do this voiceover thing and I'm really excited and they're going to help me with the demos and everything. And I thought about voiceover forever and I just hadn't done it because I hadn't, you know, I always had this idea that I'm going to write the scripts and I'm going to put the music together. I'm going to do the whole thing. And, it, you know, <laughs> it's just like it just doesn't work that way. So when I finally handed all of those other jobs off to somebody else, then the demos got done. And then I was able to move forward and actually start doing voiceover as a career. So. Now, did you originally go to college for music? Did you major in music prior to that? I, I do have a degree in music industry. Uh, I got it sort of late in my life. Um, I went through a number of ideas when I started college, you know, in 18, 19, 20 years old. Um, I thought I was going to be an interpreter because I liked foreign languages. And at some point I thought I was going to be political science, a scientist person because I, I took an economics class that I really loved and, and, and I was going to do computer science. And so, you know, I went around and around with sort of all these different ideas for a long time. But when, when I finally settled, it was like, all right, I'm just going to do this music industry thing because it's fun and I'm going to do it. <laughs> so it was a wild, crazy thing I did. Yeah, well, look where it took you. Yeah. You know, uh, question, though, um, just so that other people can understand what exactly voiceover entails and what it's about. Because when we talk about voiceover nowadays, we think of voiceover on the computer. We yes. think of voiceover on iPhones. You know, we don't think of voiceover as something you hear in an airport or something you hear, you know, over a loudspeaker. So could you explain a little bit about what voiceover is and what the dynamics are that play a role in that? So voiceover is anything that you hear that is not in front of the camera. So the announcers on commercials at the end who are telling you about all the important safety information about the drug that you should see your doctor about um, the automated systems that are telling you press one for such and such press two for this press three for that uh, lots of explainer videos all over the internet. Um, anybody who's voicing audio description is doing voiceover, right? Because mm -hmm. with audio description, there's somebody who writes and there's someone who voices. Right. So the, right. those people are oftentimes not the same. Um, so, for example, in my setup, I'm in it's called a whisper room booth. And this particular model is uh, four feet by six feet. And it's a padded room. <laughs> so I get to sit in my basement in my padded room. And uh, I'm behind a microphone here. And I, I like I said, I have a script and. Um, sometimes I'm reading the whole script and sometimes I'm just a character in a script. For example, a lot of e-learning these days is done 
with these sort of scenario role plays. And so a lot of times when I'm doing e-learning, I'm just one character in a broader group of characters that's talking. Hmm. Um, so voiceover is all of that. Voiceover has lots and lots of niches, all the animation, video games, all that kind of stuff. All those people who, you know, are like in your toys, like if you have any kids and you, and you have toys for them, the, the, the dolls are talking, things like that. You know, all of that is voiceover. Wow. That's, that's incredible voicing. Uh, Thank you. When, as a blind person, you're obviously, I guess, using Braille to read the scripts. But how, like, you did the narrations for uh, things like, um, yeah, I can't think of it. The, the show that you just did, it's funny, just went out of my head. Um, Seinfeld. Yeah, thank you, Seinfeld. When you did the Seinfeld thing, not being able to see the video of what's going on, how do you, or how can you do the description? How do you know what to describe? in the you know in what's taking place somebody else writes it somebody else writes the description oh really my job is just to read what somebody else has written so i'm not writing the description i'm uh i'm just voicing what somebody else has put together and description is done a couple of ways um so a lot of times there are they're called time codes and they're in the script and they tell you where the description will begin and oftentimes where it will end. And you also get an audio cue. So you usually you'll have it say um, like it'll show you the time code and then it will show you the the last thing a person is saying or the last sound that you're going to hear before you start speaking the description. Um, so when you're listening to that media. Uh, you're listening for those cues to know when to speak. And then after it's voiced, generally, there are these other people who come in and they clean it up. They make sure that the placement is correct and that everything fits in. Because uh, sometimes it's really tight. There's a lot of words to say in a small space. Um, so they'll clean all of that up and then mix it together so that it fits in with the show and hopefully... You're not hearing really loud description and really soft uh, soundtrack of the show or vice versa. You're not hearing the soundtrack really loud and you can't hear the description. So so I am one piece of a much larger puzzle. Uh-huh. So there's a lot more that goes into it beside you doing the reading and then somebody else has to put the timing together to get it all to fit together. Yes. Yeah. Somebody okay. oversees that and checks that and makes that work. And talk about some of the work. I know you've done some work at the airports as well with the like the voiceover systems at the airport. Uh, is, does that work the same way? Like, I know when I landed in Denver and I, I took the train over to the other side of the airport and it says, welcome to the high mile city. Yep. I mean, uh, how is that done the same way? Is it a script that you read? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yep. It's a script that you read. And in that case, they just give you a script of, you know, all of the different stops you're going to read and all of the different things that you're going to say. And 
I read it and I send it to them. And then uh, some with some jobs, it also falls to me to splice those files up. Depends on um, how much the client wants to pay, how big the job is. Um, it p- depends on a number of factors. But sometimes they'll give me a script and it'll be a table. Everybody learn to use tables. <laughs> In Word and in your PDF files, tables will be your friends. Um, they're a blessing and a curse, but um, it'll be a table. So I'll have a column for the file names and then a column uh, that shows the voiceover for each file. And so I will make a marker in my digital audio workstation, and I tend to use a program called Reaper. Um, and I'll make a marker and I'll read the copy that's in that particular file that they want. And then I'll stop and then I'll make another marker for the next one. And then when I export the files out, when I send the final product, it will automatically split all those files and and correctly name them for me. Wow. So some of voiceover is it's not just being able to read the copy on the page. It's also being able to manage the technology side of it. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of technology that goes into this. Do are there different companies like how do you find uh, different voiceover jobs or do they look for you specifically? Like how does how does one go about uh, you know finding work in this particular field? Oh, there are so many options. So many options. Yeah. Um, and I would say that I do a combination of all of them. You can literally direct market to companies. You can just find people who work at those companies and send them an email and say, hey, this is who I am. Uh, here's my website and here are the services I offer if you're ever interested kind of thing. You know, you're literally sending out emails. Mm-hmm. Uh, LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. I know people who hate LinkedIn, but for professional purposes, LinkedIn is so great. Uh, because you can look at people's profiles and get a sense of who they are and mm-hmm. a little bit more about them and where they've been because LinkedIn gives you a history. So it's a little bit different than just trying to find somebody who works at a specific company. It gives you a deeper dive into who they are and and kind of what their history is. And maybe mm-hmm. you can find something that you have in common with them or something they did that you really like. And it it gives you a way to enter a conversation. The other thing is there are online casting sites, and those are often what are called pay-to-play. So you pay a fee, Mm -hmm. and you set up a profile, and your profile is everything from your age or the ages that you can believably perform as a voice actor. Because you may be, you know, 55, but you sound 30, right? Mm -hmm. So what ages you perform, um, what words describe your voice. Uh, your demos that you've done. So you can sort of put up a portfolio of stuff that you've done to give people a sense of of who you are and what you're about and a client list and testimonials. And, you know, it's a whole profile that you develop. And then opportunities come to you because you've paid to be on this platform. And so opportunities that match your profile are sent to you. And I mean, on a daily basis. So auditioning is like a daily thing I end up doing. Then do you audition uh, remotely 
with I do. A particular I do everything company. remotely. Yeah. Most yeah. of the time I don't go into studios. It's got to be something big. I, I live in upstate New York, uh, sort of between Albany and Saratoga Springs in a little town called Clifton Park. And um, I, I work out of my basement all the time. That's kind of cool. You don't have to go anywhere and you don't have to, I guess you don't have to disclose your blindness either because you can do the job. So, I mean, I guess they don't need to know that as long as you audition and you pass the audition. That's one of the coolest things about this job is I can make decisions about when I want to talk about that or if I want to talk about that. And I don't feel like I'm hiding it. I just feel if you Google me, you'll very clearly see immediately that I'm blind because I don't try to sweep it under the rug, but it's not the thing I walk out of the gate with either, (laughs) if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So no, I would say most of my clients don't know unless they actively look for me uh, online. So are all the the scripts that they give you are sent to you? Do you braille them so that you could read them? How do you trans translate what is given to you? I have braille displays um, and they are connected to my computer. JAWS tends to be my primary screen reader, but I also have NVDA for the things that JAWS doesn't do well. <laughs> And there are things. And there are um, things. Yeah. So, yeah. So I have both. And, and, and my Braille display is connected to my PC. So I tend to use speech and Braille together. I like having both modalities and choosing what I want to do. When I'm reading a script, yes, it's all Braille. And some of the Braille displays I have are also note takers, like a Braille Sense uh, or a Braille Note. And so I can, note, yeah. I can take those scripts. And just pop them onto a USB drive and copy them directly to the note taker. Um, And I love that. I love reading off of a note taker. Uh, I just find it a more fluid experience than reading from the screen reader. Not all the time. All my auditions I read from the screen reader. But when I get into a big script, I generally want want the note taker. That's just my preference. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that's the way I do it. So... So the scripts aren't brailled for me. Like there's nobody that's doing any transcription per se or running them on a braille embosser or anything like that. I'm just using my braille display in terminal mode, like an output device in in, in the same way that a sighted person would use their monitor. And I can see everything that way. And there are times when you run into problems. I mean, people will send a script and they'll make it a JPEG, you know, so it's an image. And mm-hmm. so then, you know, JAWS OCR is really helpful. Windows OCR, uh, most of the time, those kinds of things work every now and then when they don't, then I have to decide what to do. Depends on how long the script is. It depends on whether it's an audition and who it's coming from. Right. Uh, if it's on an online casting site and you know, there's tons of opportunities on those sites, I will tend to move on. But if it's coming from someone who's contacted me directly, then I might call up a service like Ira and use their Intuit small business Ira access promo, which I love, and have them type it up or something like that. Yeah, things like Ira have have really helped many of us in the uh, 
minefield in terms of work and stuff for sure. Yes. I use Ira myself and uh, very thankful that it's there. Agreed. Um, yeah. I also know you've done some cartoon work as well. I have an animation demo that I completely love. I've done a fair amount of video game work. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I've done audio description for cartoons. Uh, Masha and the Bear, seasons one and two on Netflix are me. Uh, you Who to the Rescue, all the seasons there are me uh, as the voice of the audio description. Um, I've done a ton of description for like the Saturday, Sunday shows that are on like CBS and ABC, sort of the the educational entertainment stuff that goes on Saturday and Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. Um, and then video game stuff. Yeah, I've <laughs> definitely done some <laughs> video game characters. <laughs> yeah, I know you've done video game characters. I, uh, yes. And that must be kind of fun to do uh, as well. Yeah, I think I think the character work really is fun. I mean, even if it's not a video game, like I was saying earlier, there's a lot of character work in e-learning and it's great. Like you get to be a really grouchy customer service yeah. person. Uh, so I've been a grouchy customer service agent and I've been a grouchy customer. <laughs> it's really, <laughs> really fun. <laughs> um, oh. Political ads are really fun for that reason. Like, you know, all of those angry Mm-hmm. Political ads, those sort of attack ads. And, you know, it just is a great way to get your aggression out. <laughs> it's really fun. <laughs> you have to also have somewhat of an acting background as well to do that, to, you know, to assume the roles of characters and be able to, you know, uh, change your mood from one character to another. And uh, and that's a gift. That's truly a gift. Not Not everyone can do that. Um, I'd like to give you the chance to share some of the clips with us that you've done in the time that you have left, um, because I think it illustrates uh, the work that that you do. Sure. I can start since you were talking about cartoon characters. I can start with my animation demo, my goofy animation demo. (laughs) The baby threw up on the dog and the dog is eating it. Maybe I'm just a biomechanical engineer sending impulses to your optic nerve via holographic transponder. What's that moving in the trees? What are you? Enemy fighters attacking our base. We need defenders. Look at it. I'm not afraid. What was that? There's no such thing as monsters. There's no such thing as monsters. There's no such thing as... At last, you're mine. And soon, the kingdom of Hakala will be too. Don't worry, my sweet girl. We'll find you. (laughs) Sorry, friend. But you've come to the wrong place. We don't ignore what's happening in the world. Now get out! Oh my god! Rose, when's the last time these towels were washed? If you wish to continue on your journey, you must first learn the lesson. Will somebody please shut that thing up? So that's my goofy animation demo. Which I love totally, that. <laughs> I, love, I, awesome. I have to say it's one of my favorites. 
how did you get the cue, like nowhere to be cued in to where you did the voiceover on that? Was Is that something that comes up on the screen? Is there a, you know something that you hear that allows you to know, okay, this is my cue? Well, a lot of times when you're doing character work, all of the sound design that you're hearing hasn't happened yet, right? Yeah, so right. For, for the singing at the end, I, that one I had the music in the background and I got to sing to it to make sure that we were in the same key and that kind of a thing. But the audience that's in the background, that's not put on until the end. All of the, there's a part where I say something, there's a little bird and that's me. <laughs> that little bird is you. That, that little bird is me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but oh that God. was that was put in. I mean, I did it in the session. I made the noise, but then the noise was on a separate track as me, you know, talking about if you wish to, you know, learn the secrets of the whatever I say there. Um, so when you're doing a demo like that, you're just doing the voiceover. There is no sound design behind you. Somebody comes in afterwards and puts all of that sound design and chooses the music and does all of that post-production afterwards. How interesting. So most of the time when you're doing voiceover, it's you, you, and you, and you have no idea what's going to happen on the other side of it or how people are going to make it work. So you have no way until you hear it at the end. When it's all done, you don't know what it's going to sound like. Exactly. Oh, that must be interesting when you can finally hear the the end product. Yeah. And sometimes that works out really well. And sometimes they take what you've sent them and they squish it all up into a weird MP3 and a terrible sound audio format. And it sounds like a drive through. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, what did you do? I sent you perfectly beautiful, clean audio. What happened? what happened exactly oh my gosh well Satana I will tell you you are most talented and I love listening to your talent and the things that you do it's just absolutely amazing and it's just part of your personality and that's who makes you what makes you you and I love it Um, thank you so much what advice would you give to a young person who might be looking for something in a field like this? Know what works for you. Because you can take your needs to like a state VR agency or something like that. But the more you know about what works for you Mm -hmm. and how to do it, the better off you are. Uh, And I would say that that advice works whether you're in this field or whether you're in any field. Just know, uh, you know, do you prefer Braille? Do you prefer a speech? Do you want both? What is Mm -hmm. it that you need to make things work for you? Um, Because the more you you know that, the more that you can articulate that uh, and put it together, the better. And and be flexible. This is uh, particularly this field. I suppose lots of fields, one could argue, but I am still learning all the time. Uh, people come up with things they want me to do. Uh, I've got a client right now that insists I read from the Google Doc that they have. And it's not like I can download the Google Doc and just have it in Microsoft Word or on a note taker or something like that. Mm-hmm. We're literally making changes in the document as we're going through in the session. 
So I'm, I have to be looking at the live document. And I'm jumping back and forth between screens, looking at the live document and recording. And it has been a really interesting uh, workflow to develop. Um, so be flexible. <laughs> that sounds a bit challenging as well. It is. <laughs> it's a trick. <laughs> and after the first day on that job, I thought, they're going to fire me. <laughs> it's a really, really did. Oh, and uh, but it worked out and we're all good and uh yeah it's uh flexibility and knowing what works for you and and recognizing that just because you've learned one thing doesn't mean you're gonna know it mm -hmm. the next day technology changes so fast mm -hmm. yeah i have found that and keeping up with those changes as you get older mm -hmm. is not as easy as well yeah so, agreed so i want to thank you so much for sharing your wonderful talent with us and, you know, and what you do. And I'd like to give the employment committee a chance to ask questions if they have anything they would like to ask at this point. Uh, this is Peter. And the, it sounds like the job you have is wonderfully fun and challenging and uh, sort of all consuming, you know, all the stuff that you do on a regular basis. What do you do in your spare time? How do you de de decompress? How do I decompress? Oh, um, that's a great question. I think sometimes my problem is that I really do love my work. Uh, I'm still a musician at heart, too. So I, I do play music uh, and I we have animals. We have two cats and a dog and they get much, much, much attention. My dog is a retired guide dog. Um, so they get lots and lots of attention. There is I, I, I need kitties in my life. I have to have the kitties. Uh, we live on seven acres, so there's always plenty of space outside to run around uh, and be cold or shout at the moon or whatever. Um, I'm married. I've been married for 24 years. So I, I love spending time with my husband. Um, my daughter, Kira, uh, is an IRA agent uh, and an audio description writer as well. Um, and so every now and then she comes home or we go to her and visit her. And, uh, and if I'm at convention and somebody has a Scrabble board, I'm up for the challenge always. Thanks. Thank you for inviting me. This was really fun. You've been listening to Let's Get to Work, a podcast from the Employment Committee at the American Council of the Blind. Have questions, episode ideas, or feedback? Feel free to email Brooke Jostet, the committee chair, at B-R-O-O-K-E underscore J-O-S-T-A-D at Comcast.net. Until next time, work it.